And now would you join with me in closing this prayer the way the church has done for ages. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Um, We're going to be in Mark chapter 9 this morning, starting at verse 33 and going through 37, a little short passage, uh, as we continue on in our Jesus With series uh, this morning. This week, uh, Buncombe County Schools, uh, the school board announced that uh, we will be transitioning from what was an intended plan B every other week uh, attendance to a what they're calling plan B and beyond model, which is basically just plan B for two weeks and then virtual education, at least uh, until the end of September. Um, and I know that uh, I have three kids in Buncombe County Schools. I know that many of you have kids in Buncombe County Schools. Uh, for many of us, this is uh, supremely annoying, challenging, uh, to say the least. But for some people, it is more than that. It is far, far more than that. It is more than an inconvenience. Um, people who uh, rely on schools to see their kids fed for two meals a day, uh, kids who rely on schools for access to counselors and other social services, um, there are families who are going to be left with the choice to um, leave their small children at home uh, by themselves so they can go work, or they give up work and a paycheck so they can take care of their kids. It's just a real, real bind. And um, I would really just ask you to be in prayer, not just for your own family, but for all the families of Buncombe County, for Asheville City Schools. Um, this is extremely difficult and it is the people who are most vulnerable who will bear the weight of this decision more than other people. We're all going to feel it, but some will feel it more than us. And uh, it's really important to not forget that. So we want to serve our valley. We want to care. As you'll see, um, I picked this passage months ago to preach. Um, we want to care for the children of this valley. We believe that the kingdom of Jesus is a place where kids are taken care of. Um, and, you know, if Jesus was king fully today on the earth, there wouldn't be a kid that went without food, that went without care. Uh, so we want to work towards that vision. So if you have a sense of how we can do that, either for a particular family, maybe it's for your family, uh, for a school in general, especially Owen Middle School, who are already connected to, would you please uh, let us know? If you need help right now, uh, we know that unemployment benefits uh, that have been elevated are now about to expire, potentially, unless things change congressionally. Um, if you are in a position of vulnerability and you need help, please, now is the time to lean in and to put your hand up and say, I need help. We can help you. And we really don't want you self-evaluating, saying, well, things could get worse. Somebody surely is worse off. That's, we don't need to be playing that game. If you need help now, say it. We want to help you. We want to serve you. We want to, we want to be there for one another. So please let us know one way or another. 
All right, we're in Mark chapter 9, verse 33. And they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he, Jesus, asked them, What were you discussing on the way? But they kept silent. For on the way, they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. And he sat down and called the twelve. And he said to them, If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. And he took a child and put him in the middle of them. And taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you that this is your word. This is the word of the Lord. And we pray that we would hear it, that we would receive it, that we would receive it with gratitude and say thanks be to God. Help us to both listen and to respond by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. This is a... This is a helpful example of a general principle when you're reading the Bible, starting from the beginning to the end. If you find yourself in the midst of a narrative where God is asking a question, he is not asking the question because he does not know the answer. Jesus here is giving his disciples a question, an opportunity to respond to him and talk to him about what they've been talking about. He clearly knows what they've been talking about because of how he then addresses what they don't tell him and what he does tell them. So the best response when God asks you a question, he already knows the answer. He's not seeking information. What he wants you to do is to talk to him and tell him what he already knows. It is the dialogue often that is important to God and not just the acquisition of knowledge. So Jesus, I would invite you to read this and picture him asking the question, what were you talking about with a smile on his face? Because he knows what these 12 chuckleheads have been doing, talking about together on the road. And they're embarrassed, clearly. They're silent. They don't want to tell him because it's kind of ridiculous to have Jesus in the room with you and to have had a conversation who is the greatest because, you know, it's Jesus. And that argument kind of gets exposed for the ridiculous argument that it is when Jesus is the one who's acknowledging that they've been having this discussion. And Jesus then does what Jesus does so well. He, he takes their discussion, he takes their question, he takes their interest, and he flips it on their head. Because the kingdom of Jesus is like this. And this, Jesus with the children tells us something important about the nature of the kingdom of God. He says, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. And he picks up a child from the edges of the room and puts them in the middle of the room and says, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. Whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me, the Father, receives God Jesus takes the least likely person in the room, the one who is rightfully on the edges of everything, and brings them into the middle. And this is not the only time that Jesus will behave this way towards children. The Gospels will 
continue to tell these stories, multiple examples, multiple gospels of where the disciples are, are pushing children away and Jesus brings them close. Now, in this culture, children are very important. They're vital. They're, they're, in many ways, the best measure of wealth is how many children you have uh, and what their success will be. It's a very, in many ways, child-oriented culture. However, in other ways, in ways that are really foreign to us, they are not valued kind of in the room. What they, they're valued for what they represent and what they will be, not necessarily what they are. So in our culture, we kind of flip that. Uh, we say uh, what's most important is this precious little angel who at every single moment deserves to be the center of the swirling galaxy of my life. And if a child wants to run in and claim the center of the room in our culture, we say, bless him. That's beautiful. Let me Instagram the heck out of this moment. But then as a culture, we also kind of push children to the side and say children generally not that important. In recent uh, statistical analysis, the birth rate uh, of many Western cultures and many uh, rich cultures generally, not just Western, is a sub-replacement level uh, birth rate. In other words, uh, population scientists, however those people are, they're looking to, for a stable population replacement rate of 2.15 kids, I think is the number. And I don't know how you have 2.15 kids, but that's, that has to be kind of that number to replace the level of population. And ours is below that. Because as a culture, we don't value children like that. But when they're in front of us, the individual, we do value them. In Jesus' day, it's the other way around. So these children are on the edges of the room because that is where children belong until they are addressed. And Jesus grabs one of these kids and he moves them into the middle. And he says, these are the kind of people who you, who you need to receive. Elsewhere, Jesus will say, these are the kind of people that the kingdom of God is truly defined by. Jesus loves children and seems to be that children love him. Children respond to him and want to be close to him. And Jesus engages them, which tells you a lot about the kind of person that he was, his personality. Look, I am not the kind of person that children are drawn to. Um, I feel mostly glad when my kids want to be around me. But nobody else's kids want to be around me. Well, that's not true. Uh, Jedediah Holden, if you are watching right now, you are the one child who ever wants to be around me. Um, most of the time, including like uh, my niece right now, uh, Eliana, she's one. And I think if I look at her, she will begin to cry. And, and I'm not saying that's an anomaly or that all the kids are wrong. Like, I get it. They, they see me and they're seeing some truth about me. That I, I don't seem very approachable or fun or nice or anything less than monstrous. Okay, so I, I get it. I, I understand. But Jesus is attractive. They see him. They want to come close to him. You probably know some people like that in your life. And these kids are not shunted off to the sides. They're brought into the center. And Jesus is telling this group of men... You have sought to be the greatest. And what you need to seek to do is be the most humble, 
to be the least, to be a servant. This is a dramatic inversion for these people who are listening. It is a dramatic inversion for us. This is not how our culture works because in our culture, everything is about us. This is not just about the need to be servant-hearted, to serve actively other people, but the constant conviction that other people are more important than ourselves. We have a culture that constantly encourages us to examine ourselves as the most important thing. We have multiple platforms and, and venues to reinforce the message. I am the most important person in my life, and my personal concerns are the most important things in this world. So, if I may step on a few toes, I'm not here to tell you uh, and be the police and make you wear a mask all the time. That is a question for you to carefully consider evidence of. But what I, what I can tell you is the constant urge in our society to say, what do I want and what is best for me personally? What makes me the most happy? That kind of ethic that manifests itself oftentimes in this conversation is unchristian. It is the opposite of the kind of thing that Jesus is talking about. So you can figure out what is best for you to do about where to wear a mask or where not to wear a mask. That's not what I'm most concerned about. What I'm most concerned about is that so many Christian people will not ask the question, what is best for other people? How can I be a servant of all? And and I I don't begrudge anyone for thinking the other way. Because let me tell you the truth. I think the other way. I constantly have to battle thinking of myself first and most. So I can't even bring up the mask thing to you and say, look, I'm a great person. That's not what I'm saying. Because in like a thousand other categories of life, I'm the worst possible example. I constantly am thinking, I am the greatest. I am the greatest. I am the most important. I am the most important. It is, it is a disease that is endemic to all of us. And Jesus says the kingdom works otherwise. If you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you go low. If you want glory in the kingdom, if you're thirsting after it, your questions need to be about the nature of your servanthood not about your fame. And that is running counter to all of my instincts. And I would wager they run counter to yours. And the heart of that is is the thing, I think, that Jesus pulls in children and he puts them in front of them and says, this is what you need to be like. This is who you need to receive as your sort of teaching examples. Children if you watch them and how they interact with their parents, they are so free in who they are meant to be, who they are, when they are assured of the love of their parents. If you look at a child, it is not their competence that defines them. Let me tell you what I mean. 
I like sports. Um, pretty much any sport I will watch. I like to watch sports that I also have enjoyed playing. So I like to watch soccer. I like to watch the NBA. I like to watch golf. And I watch those sports, and I think, this is incredible. I, I cannot do any of these things. That's why this is amazing. It's captivating to me. I want to watch it. If you gave me the choice right now, you can watch only those sports, or you can watch only your children for the rest of your life. The decision takes uh, three-tenths of a second, however long it takes me to say, my kids. And let me tell you, my kids, if you put them on a split screen on TV with these athletic accomplishments, it's not even close. They're, my, my daughter, Hope, my youngest, she all the time says, Dad, watch this. And she runs as fast as she can from one end of our house to the other and runs in a circle and runs back. And it takes, I don't know, it feels like 90 seconds to run what should take four seconds. I don't know. She hasn't done anything that on a TV screen looks impressive. But that's not what's animating her behavior or my interest. What matters to me is that she is my daughter. And I love her. And I find her delightful. And, and what she's doing is not impressive on a surface, basic level. But that is not what frees her to go running around the house. It's that she knows that I love her. And it allows her to be fully alive in that moment. Because she, she doesn't have to prove anything to me who she is is impressive to me, and I adore her, and I love her. And that is what allows you to be the kind of person who can be the servant of all. When you and I can, can say, you know what matters most to me is the pleasure of the Father. That allows you to get yourself out of the center of your own thoughts. That in any given moment, you can be freed from constantly thinking, what are they thinking of me? How do I get what I want? What's my angle? What's my pleasure? And instead, you can say, you know what's profoundly delightful is the Father is delightful. So I'm free to serve everyone here. If you struggle like I do, with the question of who is the greatest, how do I assert my superiority, my own greatness? My answer for you, my help for you, is not just to buckle down and try harder. It's not to shame you. I'm not pointing out the mask thing or any other thing in your life or mine and just trying to beat you or beat me into feeling ashamed enough into doing the right thing or thinking of other people. That's not the point. That's not what's going to deliver us. The thing that will deliver us is Jesus. The thing that delivers us in the room of my life is when I see those silly questions, how can I make this all about me? And I ask them in Jesus' presence, the way that Jesus brought those questions into his presence. 
and you see the silliness of it. What am I thinking? What, what was I thinking? This isn't about me. This one is the greatest. And he loves me. That's why we need children with us to be our teachers. That's why we pull children in from the outside and move them to the middle. That's why we love children, not just because they're image bearers who deserve to be loved because God loves them, but because they also teach us about our place, our statue, about our being loved by God. Jesus is with the children. Jesus calls us to be with him in that no matter if we're single or married, if we have kids, if we have one kid, if we have a dozen kids, they're for all of us because this is the nature of the kingdom where Jesus is the greatest and he defines us by his love. If today you are in bondage, if you are living your life like I often do, constantly evaluating, how do I make this all about me? How do I get what I want? How do I become the greatest? Jesus is in the room with you this morning. And he, you can be freed by his love. And if you have lived your life kind of on this constant ladder of, of success and performance, and con, you feel better about yourself when you get more recognition, when you get more likes, when you get more views, when more people read your stuff, when more people see you and acclaim you, and then you fall down and you're in the depths when nobody sees, you can get off that ride. You can just get off that roller coaster and you can be seen by Jesus. You can be loved by Jesus. You can be freed by Jesus. The greatest one in the kingdom is Jesus. And he is here this morning to serve you. He, the greatest one, becomes the servant of all. And he will serve you and serve me until we, like children, toddle into his kingdom and finally see him face to face, where he is waiting to scoop us up in his arms. Because Jesus is just like that. He always was, and he always will be. He can be that way for you now. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, I confess sincerely my own personal hunger for greatness. It was born rattling. I was born rattling around with that question. I breathe it in the air. I reinforce it with the things that I watch, with the things that I post, with the things that I crave. I constantly ask if I might be the greatest. And Father, I pray that you would rescue us from self-obsession and you would free us into a life of service liberated by love. Father, I pray for everyone who feels unseen and neglected. I pray that you would stop that gaping wound, that you would fill up that infinite vacuum that they may have pursued by constantly pursuing affirmation and instead they would feel you pulling them into the room in the center of the room in the center of your love Jesus 
I pray that you would pull us closer to you. Whether we are feel like we're miles away or whether we were close, whether we feel like success or failures to this morning, I pray that you would bring us in closer to you, that we would sense your approval in Christ. I pray that you would give us the freedom to be small in front of you, to, to expose our weaknesses and failures, and to know that you've still given us your approval, your affection, and your love. And then, God, that you would please release us to a life of service, mimicking you, following after you, freed to do so by your love. I thank you, Jesus, for your kindness, your tenderness towards us. We need it, Lord Jesus. I need it. And you have more than enough. We're ever so grateful, Lord Jesus. Amen.